Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. It is time to play basketball. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann, Phil Bush here with you. Phil, I am ready to start the season. It is upon us. Oh, thank God. The long national nightmare of no college basketball is over. We can we can get back to yelling at each other about what the optimal lineup is, and I could not be more excited. So in today's show, for those of you who have been longtime fans, you kind of know what this episode is about. This is when Phil and I go through the entire schedule, do a quick game-by-game pick of what we think Marquette's record is going to be. Uh, and then we're also going to do some like team predictions. We're going to predict uh, top scorer, rebounder, uh, other stats on the team. Uh, and I think as we go through the schedule, we will also briefly preview these first two games against Radford and Central Michigan. Uh, those are coming up uh, Monday, November 7th, and Thursday, November 10th. So that will be the first week of games. Uh, ready to do this, Phil? Absolutely. Let's let's jump right into the predictions and get so all the I, things I, we get wrong. Before yeah, Well, on that note, before we do that, I want to... Uh, I'm all about transparency here on the the podcast, and so how good are we at this as far as picking Marquette's records? So I had prediction some time during, not uh, good. Yeah, well, yeah, you might be surprised actually. You might be surprised. Um, during NFL Sunday, my Chiefs had a bye, so I had plenty of time as I was watching games to go through our old podcasts. We've been doing this podcast since 2013, and find what we predicted Marquette's record would be, and how Marquette's regular season record ended up. Being and how well we did. So I gave it kind of a score of plus whatever if we were optimistic, minus whatever if we were pessimistic, undershot it a little bit. Um, so obviously the first season we did not, we started halfway through. That was like during the Sweet 16 or Elite 8 run season. Then the next season we did not do this that I could find in the first. So that would have been like the last season of Buzz. So the first year we actually did this uh, preseason game-by-game prediction was the 14-15 season, which was the first season of Wojo. And boy, Phil, let me tell you, <laughs> we were some optimistic kids back then. <laughs> we were very optimistic. Now, keep in mind, for context, this was a time when Marquette had just had basically come off three straight, three straight Sweet 16s and Elite 8, and then a bit of a down year at the end of Buzz, and what we were hoping would be a new beginning with Wojo. But boy, we overshot it our first year. Uh, in 14-15, you predicted a record of 17-13, 10-8 in the Big East. I predicted almost the exact same. I predicted 17-13, 9-9 in the Big East. And those of you who remember that season knew it wasn't great. 12-18, 4-14. So you were five games too optimistic, as was I. You were six games too optimistic in the Big East. But it got better after that. So the next season, 15-16, Marquette went 19-12. and 12. Uh, Phil, you were again... This is a theme for those of you who have watched, listened to the podcast for a long time. You know Phil is the optimist. I am the pessimist, although I prefer to call myself a realist. But So that season, again, Marquette went 19-12. Phil, you predicted 25-6, and 19-5 uh, and five in the Big East. So you were six games too optimistic. I predicted 21-10, 10-8. So I was two games over 
So I know this may be tough to follow just listening to it. Maybe I'll put a, a I'll tweet out this graphic after we post the pod or put it on Crack Sidewalk. So boy, I was two, really buying six... all the the Henry Ellenson stock, wasn't I? Yeah, yeah, you were, you were, you you were six games too high. I was two games too high. Now the next season, nineteen and eleven in the Big East. That was my exact prediction, 10 and 8. So I had it exactly 1911 and 10 and 8. You were only two games over. Two games over overall, only one game over in the Big East. So that year, we kind of got the vibe on what Marquette was working with that year. <laughs> yeah, so we realized best, Wojo wasn't the best. So that, that, was, that was our best year overall was the 16-17 season where I had it exactly and you were only two games, too optimistic, one game in the Big East. The next year, pretty close as well, 18-12 and 12 overall, 9-9. Nine and nine. That was Marquette's actual regular season record. You overshot it by four. You were four games too optimistic uh, overall, three games too optimistic in the Big East. I was one game too optimistic on both, so I was just overshot it by one. The following year, I again overshot it by one. That was the that was that was Wojo's best year, 23 and eight, 12 and six in the Big East. I predicted 24 and seven, 13 and five, so I was one game over. And you were almost the exact same, Phil. You predicted 25 and six, 13 and five, so you were also one game over in the Big East, two games over overall. So again, that's probably our second best overall showing was that year. Then the 1920 season, that was post Hauser Geddon. Uh the the optimism creeped back on you again, Phil. Uh, this was the year Marquette went 18 and 12, 8 and 10 in the Big East. You overshot it by 7. You had him 25 and 5 that year, 14 and 4 in the Big East. I uh, overshot him a little bit. I was I had him at 20 and 10, so I was two games over that year overall, three games too positive in the Big East. Now for the 20 and 21 season, that was the one altered by COVID. We did not do this because I think at the, at the time we weren't sure there was going to be a season, and if game if there were, how many games would actually be played. So we did not do this during Wojo's last year. Um, so then we brought it back last season the first year of Shaka. And Phil, this will not uh, be too surprising to you at all. The last year was the good year to be optimistic. That's uh, true. Marquette went nine Last year was nine Marquette went 19 and 11, 11 and 8 in the Big East. Now remember they had one game that was not played against St. John's. So our totals are not exact because of that. But Phil, you had them 19 and 12 and 12 and 8. So in other words, you had their win total exactly right at 19 and 12 uh, at 19 wins, and you were one game technically over on Big East totals uh, because, again, one game was not played. Now, if technically, if they played the St. John's game and won it, you would have hit Big East exactly and then down one uh, on the overall. But regardless, last year was by far your best performance as you had you hit the total number of wins correctly right on the nose, and you were one game uh, over on the Big East holes with one game not being played. So that was your best performance. Last year was, uh, I, uh, my pessimism was when, that was, that, my pessimism hurt me last year as I predicted 15 and 16 overall. Uh, so I was four games under five, uh, on my prediction and three games under in the Big East. So the, not technically my worst performance. My worst performance was the first year when I was five games too optimistic on both. So that's a look at it. So overall, um, we, we really hit our stride in the middle of the Wojo years. We kind of knew what we had. Uh, and then last year, Phil, your optimism cashed it in very well for you. So that gives you an idea of how good or bad we tend to be at this. So your thoughts? Uh, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to advance the thesis that in the Wojo era, I was optimistic and you were realistic. In the Shaka era, I'm realistic and you're pessimistic. 
So it's just no, like that's, that's fair. just that's fair. it's just how it switched. And quite frankly, yeah, we had a couple of egregious years, but like in the prognostication business, I'm I'm totally fine with those those results over the it, years. I, I I so basically, I also went on a on a column and basically took our average prediction and how that compared to Marquette's final record. So again, going back to that first year, our average prediction was five years too optimistic, uh, five games too optimistic, and then four games too optimistic, one game over, two and a half over, one and a half over, five, four and a half over. Then there was the COVID year when we didn't do it, and last year we were two under. So pretty close. Yeah. So th- like five, four, one, two and a half, one and a half, four and a half off, and then two. Yeah, so we're pretty close. It, it really took me a while to get those Wojo colored glasses off. That's that's yeah, it, it that's did. the long and the short it, of it. It affects your vision for the long term. So, basically, what I'm saying is, maybe if you average mine and Phil's predictions here today, maybe you hit Marquette's uh, win total on the nose. If there's an over under, uh, you know, wager you could make out there. I, I know over unders are very popular in college football. I don't know if they do them for college basketball, but maybe you can find it somewhere if you are uh, the degenerate type. So let, let, let's let's jump into it, shall we, Phil? I, I don't want to like dive too deep on the buy games too much, um, but since they are coming up this week, we can touch on them a little bit. Uh, first two games: Radford and Central Michigan. Win win. Uh, again, yeah, win uh, win as well. Um, these teams are way down there in the Ken Palm preseason rankings, right around the 300 mark. How many teams are there in college basketball now? 350, 353. Yeah. So yeah. So. <laughs> It's, so they're not the bottom bottom, but they're they're not great. So Marquette's favored to win both of these games pretty comfortably. Um, I, I, I don't really have any deep thoughts on Radford or Central Michigan, Phil. I don't know if you do, but Alan Bukowski goes uh, team by team with some in-depth previews on CrackSidewalks.com if you want to read those. Uh, the bottom line, Phil, these first two games, you got to win them. You should win them. We're expected to win them. And really, I'm mostly curious to see what kind of lineups Marquette rolls out in those first two games. Yeah, this is really a shake off the rust. Let's see what we have in the freshman. You know, what what does the, you know, Justin Lewis-less era look like? Um, you know, I don't want to be so rude as to say these are tune-ups, but, uh, you know, again, I think it's what do we have? Let's Let's try and win convincingly because analytics matter in in tournament selection and and just just get those victories so you know i think one of the two is probably going to be you know at least at halftime is going to be a little closer than we expect or something like that just just how these kind of games go as you're as you're breaking in new freshmen but i don't i don't foresee any issues Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Okay, so two and zero start. Hopefully, then next week is when thing or yeah, the following week, Tuesday, November fifteenth, is when things get really cranked up, with a Gavit game against Purdue. That's a road game, Phil. I've got that one as a loss. Purdue is a top twenty-five preseason Ken Palm team. Yeah, I I looked at this a lot, and I I ended up going loss, but I I don't know. Again, maybe optimistic Phil's at, at play, but. I think Purdue's maybe a little bit overrated and catching them early in the season when they're still very young, replacing a new point guard. If we're playing a little more havocky, you know, than, than we did last year with, with all the guards we have, maybe we, we catch them catch off guard. But uh, I did that, put it as a loss. Yeah, that was Alan Bukowski's take uh, on crack sidewalks that watch out for Marquette in that game just because Purdue may not have the point guard play that it needs that early in the season. Uh, and maybe you could 
catch an upset there. But again, we both have it as a loss for now. Next, uh, I assume you have uh, LIU, the next game, as a win. This is technically the first of the uh, Fort Myers tournament, but this is a home game. Yeah, 100% a win. So then the next game is the first game of the tournament in Fort Myers. Uh, this is only a four-team bracket that Marquette is in. It starts with Mississippi State. Phil, I just because I think this is uh, the first um, – this is like a, 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 not the first, but it is an away-from-home test. It is a neutral site. I have this one uh, as a loss for Marquette against Mississippi State, who is a preseason uh, top 50 uh, – number 53 in Ken Palm in the preseason – Kid Palm has it as kind of a toss-up, as Mississippi State only a two-point favorite. So I went with, uh, as a loss on that one. Yeah, so I put it as a win, and, the, and and I'll say this. Just there's a recurring theme. When I looked at the Ken Palm and the analytics, I you know, and, and to your point, Mississippi State's a little higher in the analytics. I do think Marquette is undervalued or, or quite frankly, still paying a bit of the Wojo tax. Um, you know, Ken Palm even acknowledged that, you know, Two years out, there's there's still data that's feeding into kind of the, the results in the rankings. So I, I think Marquette may be a little bit undervalued, and I think they can catch a Mississippi State by, uh, not by surprise, but I, I think they can they can beat a Mississippi State. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose, but, but I'm, I'm predicting a win. Yeah, so depending on how that result goes and how the other game goes, Marquette will play either Georgia Tech in Utah uh, two days later in Fort Myers. No matter which way it goes, Phil, I'm hoping for a win there. So I've got I've got them getting out of Fort Myers at one and one. So I also have a win. I think Marquette is you know on paper where games are played, obviously, um, uh, is better than both Georgia Tech and Utah. So it almost doesn't matter. I have a win for both. Um, but yeah, I, I would have a uh, two and zero. Uh, road trip so you know optimistic phil is uh warming up in the uh in the balcony love it let's see i assume you also you don't have to be optimistic to have a win over chicago state after that correct but uh you would have to be very optimistic i think to have a win over baylor even though it would be at fiserv but uh a win over baylor who is a national championship contender uh, yeah. preseason number six on ken palm i got a loss there i may be dumb but i'm not stupid um i i have a loss there Okay, fair enough. Uh, then after that, the hated rivals, Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, I have a win because screw Wisconsin. That's why. How about you? <laughs> I also have a win for that reason and the fact, A, home game, and B, yes. like Greg Gard is still the coach, and they lost their only scoring threat from last season, and yeah, screw them. Look, as much as I hate it, like Greg Gard annoys me and whatnot. I, I have to admit he had, he does a pretty decent job with what he has. But uh, I, I at home I'm taking Marquette over Wisconsin and geez it's a Marquette basketball podcast. Of course of course I'm taking Marquette uh, in that one. So that I, I have that for for me that would be the first really huge win of the season. Um, uh, so then moving on after that North Carolina Central which is uh, you know a nice uh, program uh, but uh, out of the um, why am I blanking on their conference? That uh, out of the uh, MIAC uh, uh, with Lavelle Moten, who's a very respected coach, a guy people think will eventually move up to another level. Um, but uh, I, still, they're a 279 Ken Palm preseason. I got them beating North Carolina Central. I do as well. Okay, and then now another rivalry, and I love this about Marquette's schedule going forward, and hopefully it kind of stays this way for a while. Uh, Notre Dame. So Wisconsin and Marquette both on the schedule, and it Right now it's set up, or Wisconsin and Notre Dame both on the schedule. It sets up perfectly that 
one year you're visiting one and hosting another. So hosting Wisconsin this year in South Bend this year for renewing the Notre Dame rivalry. And just because it's a rivalry on the road, I have it as a loss. And that's fair. That's probably reasonable. But um, amendment to the previous screw Wisconsin, also screw Notre Dame. Um, Very fair. Very fair. That's an excellent point. Excellent point. (laughs) And um, I found it interesting. I can't remember if it was Andre from Paint Touches or if it was Alan pointed out that uh, Bray is the longest tenure, has like 25 years on the sideline at Notre Dame and has never won anything of note uh, at Notre Dame. They're just kind of uh, like, it's like they don't really care. I don't think it's like as long as the program is not a joke, I don't think they, I don't think he will ever be fired. Right. Like, I, I, it would take like back to back last place finishes in the ACC to make them say, "Oh, well, this isn't working out." Actually, like as long as he's not pathetic, I think Notre Dame's fine. Because every now and then he pulls out a a Sweet Sixteen team or something, right? Every now and then it's like, "Oh, everything's great." So, and Notre Dame, I don't think they really care if they're going deep in the tournament. They they just want to get that football program right. Uh, nothing else really matters all that much. So, uh, yeah. Um, Bray has got ultimate job security there. Uh, I think he actually might have a pretty good team there. They're 43 in the preseason on Ken Palm. Uh, I've listened to a few podcasts after the obvious picks in the ACC, like after UNC and Duke. Uh, Notre Dame might be in that next tier in the ACC this year, but we'll see. We'll see. But uh, I think that'll be a really tough road test. If you can get that one, uh, if you're Marquette, that is that would be an awesome. Uh, that would be a resume W for sure. Okay, so we are through the. Um, non-conference part of the schedule. I've got them at 7-4 and four in the non-con, and you would have them at 9-2? and two? Yep, 9-2. and two. Okay, so now starts the Big East play, and boy, we start with a doozy. Creighton, who... This has been a hot discussion in our little Marquette group chat with uh, a lot of some of the people we interact with on Twitter, the, the MUBB pack, if you will. Um, is Creighton slightly overrated or ridiculously <laughs> overrated. Um, uh, Creighton looks, they, they look, they look good. Uh, there a lot of, some people have them as a Big East favorite. Many people have them as a preseason top 10 team, top 15 team. Some people have them as a final four contender. Whew, I don't know about that, but I do know they will be a tough matchup for Marquette. Uh, I have it as a, as a loss to start Big East play though. Even though it's at home, I, I think Creighton is just one of the best, is going to be one of the better teams in the Big East. I don't know if I'm picking them to win the league yet, um, but uh, I do have them beating Marquette in the Big East opener. Yeah, and that's fair, and, and quite honestly, I kind of looked at, at Notre Dame and Creighton and basically said I think Marquette's going to go one and one in these two games, and I just happened to pick Notre Dame is the more likely of the two. I mean, getting Creighton at home uh, helps, um, you know, but Creighton will be good. I don't think they're going to be great. I would count me in the ridiculously overvalued. I think they're a top 25 team, but like top top 10 is insane to me until they prove it. Um, but it, it's no doubt going to be a tough matchup and a, and a challenge for Marquette. So it was really hard even for optimistic Phil to go with the win. I think you have him as a loss, though. Or, I, I know, I did. I said it's really hard oh, okay. for me to oh, get him a, a win, oh, hard so for it's you. a loss. Gotcha, okay. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. All right, All right moving on to the next one, uh, Providence. The uh, reigning Big East regular season champs, asterisk, but they uh, 
they rebuilding a little bit. I think this is one of the teams Marquette can get a split with this year, Phil. But uh, if you're going to get a split, that means you probably lose the road game. So I have the road game against Providence as a loss. Well, I mean, have we settled whether luck is in analytics, not in analytics? Is luck a thing? I've got it as a win. Just quite frankly, like this is a bit spoilery, but I looked at basically said I think there are five teams that are most likely worse than Marquette, Providence being one of them. I mean, Ed Cooley okay. could surprise um, again, um, but I, I just I don't think he's constructed a ro- roster or has demonstrated he has the ability to, to do this two years in a row. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say we sweep Providence, but, uh, you know. Okay, so win for you, loss for me. Correct. Next game, Seton Hall. Uh, I think this is a team that people may be overvaluing a little bit in the preseason picks. We kind of talked about this on the last pod, Phil. I think Shaw is a great hire for the long term. I think he might find a little tough sledding in his first year. Uh, so the Pirates at home, I have that one as a win. Uh, I agree. I, same same boat. No, <laughs> no notes. It's a win, but uh, that may not always be the case going forward. Next game after that is a New Year's Eve tilt with Villanova. That is at Nova. The new look, well, at least on the sideline. On the court, they may look the exact same. But uh, new head coach, Kyle Neptune, with Jay Wright gone. Nova is still great, though, until uh, Neptune gives me reasons to doubt him and where the program is going. I think Nova's still going to be very tough. I think going there to get a win is extremely hard, even though Marquette did it last year. Um, I got him as a loss this year, though. Uh, I agree. Plus, factor in Marquette sucks on New Year's Eve games or New Year's Day games. <laughs> like, just capital sucks. Yeah. Now, our next game after that is another road game. Uh, a few days later, January third, that'll be St. John's. Another road game. Uh, I, I tend to. I, I guess I'm fading this team a lot on the road, even though I think they're better than St. John's. Uh, weird things happen on the road, so I'm going to go. Uh, I have a loss at St. John's. If you're counting at home, St. John's and Providence are two of the five teams. I think Marquette is clearly better than Windsor. Alrighty. Uh, next one after that, Georgetown at home. That better be a win. Marquette by a million. Gosh, I hope so, because uh, there are people in my circle who will never let me forget it if Georgetown beats Marquette this year. Quite frankly, uh, if Marquette it. loses to Georgetown in that game, that might be Georgetown's first conference win of the season. Yeah. Uh, is don't lose to Georgetown the new don't lose to DePaul? It hasn't been weird enough. Like, DePaul actually beats Marquette of late yeah. right like i i would agree that losing to georgetown is more devastating than depaul but yeah. like depaul has the whole weird vibe that that makes yeah, that do. a thing georgetown is just okay. sad so both of you and i have a home win over georgetown next one after that uh home game against connecticut this is another team that's picked in the upper tier of the big east uh, I think this is one of the teams in the Big East that I have to admit is better than Marquette. So coming home, uh, I would love to upset Connecticut, but I got this one as a loss. I do too. I, I think A, Connecticut is better, and B, I think it's just going to be a bad matchup for us. Yeah, Sonogo, uh, he's going to be tough this year. Uh, preseason player of the year pick, perfectly logical. Um, I would not be shocked at all if he's the postseason player of the year as well. All right, then uh, road trip to Xavier. Uh, new head coach Sean Miller. Looks like he has a pretty good roster to work with. Uh, team Mini expect to make the tournament. Uh, road game uh, at Cincinnati to play Xavier. I have this as a loss as well. Um, yeah, I have I have this as a loss as well. I, again, I, I kind of take the coaching and the rosters into account. I think Xavier finishes ahead of us, so we're, we're most likely going to lose on the road. It happens. 
So then coming back home, Providence, we've talked about them already. Uh, got him as a win this time, uh, getting the Friars at home. So uh, agreed. You are. All right. Now, then, will there uh, be a bat is, in the audience? That's the question. Uh, yeah. It, which which Providence game will be the weird one? That's <laughs> yes. the question. Yes. There's always a weird one. All right. Uh, then road trip to Seton Hall. Uh, this was a waffle when I waffled on because uh, I, I do think Marquette is better and Seton Hall can go there and win. But, uh, again, I guess I've fade, maybe I've faded too many road games on here as I look back at it, but I can't change now. So I, I have this one as a loss. And it's fair. Again, Seton Hall, I think we sweep Seton Hall. I, I will not always be the case. Shaw Holloway will be good. But I think Marquette has a better roster and at least a re- an equivalent coach. So I have a win on the road. Speaking of uh, weird things happening on the road, uh, next one is the trip to DePaul, where bad stuff happens all the time, including last year. Uh, I, I have a win, though, this year. I, 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 I am just so tired of losing to DePaul. I, I, I think they get it done this year. Okay. Especially, again, on my schedule, coming off a loss to Seton Hall, I don't want back-to-back losses. So I put this one as a win. Uh, totally fair. I had to pick a loss. for Like, I don't care how good our season is. We're going to find yeah. a way to lose to DePaul. Because, now, maybe Shaka is not Wojo, which would be great. And maybe we, we get two wins. But I had to pick a loss. So mine as well be on the road in the wind trust where just weird things happen. Yeah, a team with this many pieces is going to have a stinker here or there. I hope it's not on in January, but it happens. Right. It happens way too much. Don't lose to DePaul. All right, then the home game against Villanova. Uh, this will be February 1st uh, as we get down the home stretch here. Again, uh, Villanova, one of those teams I think Marquette is uh, just a step behind. So I have to have uh, a home game to Nova as a loss. So optimistic, Phil, but I have it as a win. Again, I, I think there's a chink in the armor, right? I think... You know, Kyle Neptune, I think, will be a good to great coach. I think Villanova's roster's there. But I'm not quite as scared without a Jay Wright, you know, suit-wearing, you know, yeah. appearance uh, on the sideline. Yeah, and the, the big X factor for Nova when we play them um, is, uh, both times actually, is uh, Cam Whitmore, their star freshman, he had a surgery on his hand. I think he's expected back pretty soon. He should be playing. But will Justin Moore be back? And right. if he is, how good will he be? Um, torn Achilles, you know, I'm used to that being like a year-long injury. So, I, you know, when it happened, I thought, well, he's going to miss all of next year. But they're talking like he's going to be back by Big East play, which seems ridiculously fast to me, especially for basketball. Uh, like with all the cutting and, and quick you know, movements and the strain on your ankles. Uh, that just seems so fast to me. But if Justin Moore is back and playing at a high level, uh, watch out for Nova in the home stretch. Um, but we'll see. Uh, all right, so I have lost, you have win. And then after that home game against Butler, uh, I got a win there. Yeah, I've also got a win. I mean, Dad Mata is a good coach, but he's also been away for a while. So I, I don't, you know, Butler, I'm not sure, is one of the five. But, I mean, they could be. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I faded Butter Butler a little bit. I just for that reason you said there, Thad Mata, good coach, but been away out of the game a little bit. And uh, how great is that roster as, that he's taken over? So I got that as a win. Uh, Connecticut on the road, I got that one as a loss. I assume you as well, Phil. Yep, I think we get swept. All right. So then the road trip to Georgetown again. Please don't do it. So you got to win that one. I have a win, unless, of course, uh, Patrick Ewing is fired and somebody comes in who's a miracle worker. 
Could could Patrick yeah. Ewing be gone by this point in time? That is a great question I, to predict. See, I don't think Pat. I don't think Ewing would resign midseason. I it, and they it, wouldn't fire would him out. during the season. I, they do not want to fire Ewing. Like, like, like they want. They may want this era to end, but they would let him bow out gracefully. Like they would say, "Hey, Pat, we're moving on. Could you please just resign, or at least say you're resigning, and then we'll, you know." We'll get let we'll let you say you're resigning, even though we will fire you and pay you your entire contract and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I, Georgetown does not want to fire Patrick Ewing, no matter how bad this gets. Mm-hmm. He may he may give them no choice. I am really really down on Georgetown. But anyway, this yeah, is not a Georgetown I, I, podcast. I, I can tell it's not. But you got to win that one. Then I got a, a home game against Xavier. I see. Now this is where I won. Maybe I I went a little optimistic. I even though Xavier's one of the better teams, I think in the Big East, I have him winning this one. Yeah, I do too. I, I also think the the youth on the team will no longer be youth, right? They'll be uh, super freshmen at this point. So I, I think we can steal a win there against Xavier. Uh, then we got the very difficult road trip to Omaha to play Creighton. Uh, again, we talked about them already, about how some people think they're good. Some people think they are incredibly good. But uh, I think whatever they are, a road trip there is tough. So I got it as a loss. Um, I'm actually going to go, again, optimistic, Phil, but I think a win. I think, again, Creighton by this time might be a little exposed. I think Marquette might be feeling itself a little bit. I think that's an opportunity to steal a steal a win on the road that really, like, locks Marquette into a bid. All right, then uh, wrapping up the season, uh, home game against DePaul, you have to win that one. Yes, like, 100%. <laughs> like, I would rather have... I would rather have the home game at DePaul at this point in the schedule than the road game because, like, it's when DePaul is the late road game that it always seems to go so terrible. Uh, but a home game against DePaul. Now, what's happened before the terrible home game, but I, I just cannot allow myself to predict a loss there. So, win. Just You have to beat DePaul might be worse than Georgetown this year. They might be. Some people have them worse. Uh, I don't know if they are or not, but uh, I have as a win regardless. I do as well. Again, we're, we're trending towards a bid, spoiler alert, in my opinion. Yeah, indeed. I hope you are correct. Uh, next team after that, road trip to Butler. Uh, always tough to play at Hinkle, but again, I, I'm just kind of fading Butler a bit this year. Thad Mata might get it going uh, eventually, um, but I got it as a win. I, I think See, I think Marquette may actually be picking up steam here uh, down the stretch. Yeah, and, and that's fair. I have it a loss, partially because, I, you know, there's just going to be a, a trip up somewhere, right? Especially with this roster, there's there's going to have to be a, a trip somewhere. And I think on the road at Butler can, can certainly be that trip up. So I have it as a loss. Okay, so then the final game of the regular season, home game against St. John's, a team that I do think Marquette is better than. Uh, on a neutral court, but uh, so I have it as a home game as a win. Yep, and I've got this as a win as well. Again, I I don't I don't highly value St. John's, so I put put a sweep there so both, for sure. So both you and I have them finishing the season strong, which would be a nice change of pace from recent years. Both of you and I have them finish winning five of their last six. Yeah, and that would which, be a excellent change of pace for sure because we yeah. we, we have had some historical backslides in late February. Marquette has become the, uh, this is not just a Shaka thing, this goes back a few years, but Marquette has become the peaking in January type team yep. uh, and fading down the stretch. But, so uh, I know you all didn't do the math as you're listening to this, so uh, we have it for you. So total predictions, Phil, 22-9 and nine overall, 13-7 and seven in the Big East. 
Joe, 17 and 14 overall, 10 and 10 in the Big East. Uh, how do you, when you look at the total, so like you go game by game and think it's one thing, and then you see the total number at the end. When you look at the total number at the end, Phil, of yours, 22 and 9, 13 and 7, how do you feel about it? I, I, it's definitely optimistic, right? Like in my head when I did this, I was thinking, oh, the cap's probably 20 wins. But, you know, it's hard when you go game by game. I think I'm yeah. I'm probably two games optim- too optimistic. And quite frankly, I think you're probably two games at least too pessimistic. See, I, I, I agree with that, actually. Because when I look at the total, the final total of 17 and 14 and 10 and 10, it just seems a little low to me. Uh, again, when we were going through it, I said there were a few games I waffle on. Like, maybe I might want to go back, because I'm not going to change it now, but what I entered is what I entered. But, you know, maybe I might go back and flip the Mississippi State game, maybe flip the Seton Hall, uh, the second Seton Hall game, maybe maybe even flip the, uh, uh, what was the other one I thought about flipping? The uh, road, yeah, road trip to Seton Hall or road trip to St. John's. Either one of those. So, but again, my official prediction on the books is 17 and 14. I'm hoping it's more like 19 and 12. Uh, and then if you've got 11 wins in the Big East there, um, I think you're in the mix for a bid. Now, if they do what you have, Phil, 22 and 9, 13 and 7, that is a tournament lock. Yes. Right? I mean, I don't care what everyone else is doing. That is that is a lock. Because, um, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of carnage in the Big East this year. I don't think anybody's going to be going like – 18 and 2 or anything in the Big East. I think that a lot of teams are going to have warts, a lot of teams will have losses. Um, maybe something like 15 wins, 16 wins gets you the championship. Um, so if you've got 13 wins, you're going to be in the mix, a team people are talking about. See, like, you know, th- and the thing is, as pessimistic as you may think mine is, Ken Palm has Marquette. Uh, like the overall, you know, if you're familiar with Ken Palm, you know they have the overall prediction, and then the game by game is something different. The overall prediction on Ken Palm is nine and eleven in the Big East. But if you go game by game, he's only got Marquette winning six Big East games. That's nuts. Uh, yeah, which again, I know it's just math. I'm not like the Providence fans who say, "Oh, Ken Palm, he's a hater. He doesn't get us." It's just math. It's not personal. It's just math to amend a statement from a previous coach but it's uh that's what the numbers say um round 500 hopefully a tick better is what i am hoping for with this team we'll see if they get there well and and think about it like you know again if we kind of split the difference between us and say you know 20 and you know 20 and 11 or 19 and 12 but more importantly the big east is like 12 and 8 or 11 and 9 you know, I think that ties in with now, not the national media, but I think what what you know what we've been tied into is look, Marquette's probably a tier two or a tier three Big East team, right? Like tier four is Georgetown and DePaul, tier three, you know, is some combination of Seton Hall, Providence. You know, the tier two, tier three is Seton Hall, Providence, uh, Marquette's in there, Butler's in there. Um, you know, you could make an argument Xavier could fall in there, but but they're probably in the tier one, right? And you're going to have Creighton, Xavier, um, Connecticut, it, clearly in the uh, in the tier one, uh, and Nova. Excuse me, Nova's absolutely got to be in the tier one. So going yes. like eleven nine, 
12 and 8 is pretty typical for a tier 2 team in the Big East. That's what we've seen historically. You you win, you know, you you win your your game, you you sweep the the three teams at the bottom and then you win, you know, you do a bunch of splits on the rest and maybe you get swept by the top team or something like that. And that gets you to 12 and 8 pretty quick. So, yeah, so if you average ours out, we're, we're kind of hopefully settling on 19 or 20 wins and 11 or 12 wins in the Big East, which I'd sign for that right yeah, now. Yeah, I would absolutely. And that's still a bid, right? I mean, it's a low seed, but it's a bid. I think you're in, but that, that's bubble talk. That's maybe sweating on Selection Sunday a little bit. So, Okay, so that's our game-by-game game prediction. Uh, before we get out of here, we want to do some more uh, specific predictions as it relates uh, to the team and because, again, there are some new faces this year, some guys that are maybe getting more playing time than they got a year ago. So we're just going to do quick uh, quick hitters on some stats. Phil, who's going to be Marquette's leading scorer? It's Cam time. Cam Jones. It is it is Cam Jones time. That's it, kind of a running joke in the chat. I don't know if we need to dive into why, but uh, – Hey, there's a Cam great gif now with uh, Cam looking yeah, at his, his watch, and it's Cam time. For those of you, anybody out there who does NIL stuff, selling T-shirts – Get on some Cam Jones time T-shirts. I'll get him out there. Uh, I, I just again, this is a guy who's going to get more playing time. He showed the ability to be a volume scorer last year. Guy loves to shoot, and the thing that makes me most optimistic about him is what we saw in some of those clips from the scrimmages and things Shaka said after some of those scrimmages is that he is challenging Cam to get to the free throw line. And not only is it just a challenge, it looks like Cam is answering that challenge. Looks like he's put on a little bit of muscle. Looks like he's ready to maybe maybe able to absorb a little more contact going to the rim. So if Cam can continue to shoot the ball well from outside and also get those buckets inside and get to the free throw line, I think he's going to score a lot of points this year. So I think he will be Marquette's leading scorer. Agreed. All right. Uh, rebounder, who's going to be hitting the glass for Marquette this year? Um, You know, and, and this is just based off of reports, I think it's going to be right Sill. I think he's going to get enough minutes, and he is – that is his skill set. So if he's if he's not the team's leading rebounder, uh, something's broken, and uh, oh, or I suppose somebody got even better. But um, I think it's right. So. I'm going to lean towards Oso just because I think of playing time. Now, if you want to go like say advanced metrics and lo- go like uh, you know rebound rate or whatever, you know a percentage of rebounds grabbed, I-, I would say I would agree with you that it's going to be right so. Uh, offensive rebound percentage, defensive rebounding percentage. I think that'll be good. But I think just because Oso will be on the floor more and in the middle most right. of the time, uh, I, I think if you're going rebounds per game, I think Oso might edge him out. That's fair. Totally fair. As, uh, maybe a bit of a lazy pick. Take, pick the tallest guy on the team who gets the <laughs> most minutes. Uh, but, I, again, you said if something like if uh, Zach doesn't lead the team rebound, something might be broken or somebody has stepped up. I just think it's uh, – Oso, even if he doesn't lead the team in rebounds – He's got to get a bunch, right? If, right. Because if he's not rebounding, whoa, boy, we may be in a lot of trouble this year. So, uh, all right, so you've got Zach. I've got Oso. Assists. I think this is an easy one, actually. Oh, it's, the, <laughs> it's the easiest one. Also a great T-shirt if you're looking for it. But F them. Uh, it's TK. It It is absolutely – Tyler Kolek is going to lead this team in assists. Uh, he, he uh, His assist rate last year was outrageous, 34 Point one assist rate. Uh, I think he led the league, led the Big East in assists per game. Uh, he's, he's just uh, if you watched Marquette games last year, you know 
when he was in the game, the offense flowed better, both because of his dribbling and his ability to just get in the lane, paint touches, kick it out to people, whether it was throwing a, or throwing a lob to the big guys or kicking it out to shooters. This year, I think maybe even more opportunities to kick out to guys like Cam to get assists that way. So I think I think Tyler Kulik will lead the team in assists, and it will be by a significant margin. Not only that, I, I mean, that's almost the easiest prediction we could ever make. The, 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 the question to me, does he finish – top five in the nation in assists. I don't know if I can go that high. But uh, but he could get there. Now, he if could, the rest yeah, of the team is know. scoring, right? That's right. the key. He can get them the there ball, be, but if they don't score, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He can make the pass. He can't make the shots for them. So, Correct. Uh, but, and, you know, there may be just teams that have maybe rely on a point guard much more or they just play at a much faster pace, so there's more, buck, more buckets, more assists to be had. But uh, I don't know if I can go that far but well his assist numbers will be excellent this year i hope i firmly believe that uh what about uh minutes who's gonna get the most minutes on the team this year so i i i have to look at this from a like a basket basketball like format matters right like i want and would hope Oso would get the max minutes but that's not possible like frontline players just cannot get a lot of minutes right they they they're right. if he's getting more than 32 minutes like he's gonna break down there's always foul trouble etc he's gonna be wiped at the end of the game yeah. exactly he needs, he, he's yeah. he's gonna need his rest now our front line is where we have the least depth so that's of concern but i think the minutes are gonna be tyler cola because again guards can play more minutes less risks of fouls so I, I think Tyler and what, what he can do and generate for this team will, will result in him getting the most minutes. I agree with that as well. I think uh, I think of returning players, he has the most returning minutes, uh, which is certainly not surprising. And, yeah, I, again, for the reasons I said a minute ago, the offense was just so much better with him on the floor than off. And I think he's going to be even better than he was last year, both uh, handling the ball and shooting the ball. So for that reason... Tyler Kulik's going to get the most minutes. Now, who's going to join him on lots of minutes? And by that mean, what is going to be the most frequent lineup? Notice I said we're saying most frequent, not necessarily starting lineup, because some guys come off the bench and play the lion's share of the minutes, and they're the guys out there in crunch time. So uh, what what is your ideal, or maybe not ideal lineup, but your most frequent lineup, Phil? Um, so I, I think I, I'm going to hedge this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my roster, but I, I'm going to say that I think it may end up being wrong simply because I think what we what's getting the most minutes at the end of the season will not be what's getting the most minutes in, say, the non-conference. Um, I think the beginning of the season is going to be heavily if, uh, flavored towards experience, and then maybe towards the end we're, we're going to start to see some of the younger players maybe getting some warmer minutes as they've demonstrated their capabilities, etc. But I think the lineup we will across the entire season see the most of is going to be Tyler Kolick, Cam Jones, Oso Iguodaro. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't care who else the other two are. Those three guys are, getting, are going to be on the rosters that ha- are on the lineups that have the most minutes. And then I'm going to put uh, the Jop Wagon, David Joplin, as uh, as the fourth in that roster, and then I think Omax Prosper is going to be um, is going to be the, uh, the the fifth man in that in that roster, and and that means Jop the Jop Wagon is playing the three because Omax will play the oh. four. 
Interesting. So uh, I have a little different, but uh, I agree with you on the obvious three. But uh, I saw Ben Steele, I think it was Ben Steele from the General Sentinel, tweeted that for what it's worth, the most frequent lineups in the scrimmages, or the starting lineups anyway, were Kolick, Stevie Mitchell, Cam Jones, Omax Prosper, and Oso. So a smaller uh, three-guard lineup. But I think when it comes to crunch time, I think Zach Wrightsill's ability to rebound is going to get him on the floor a lot. Uh, and so I think it's going to be Tyler Kolick, Cam Jones, Omax playing a big three, and then Wrightsill, and then Oso. Oh, that's that's interesting, and that's going to be that's going to be the the very interesting thing about this is the front line has the least experience, but but there's some at least on paper there's some flexibility in different things. You know, it, it's really going to come down to do we play. Uh, a three guard lineup, you know, or are we going to play a little bit more of a bigger lineup with, with Tyler Kolick and Cam? I think it's going to come down to how much Sean Jones and Stevie Mitchell can break in because if those guys demand minutes, then that, that allows us to go to a three guard lineup where we only have to have two bigs, which, which frees us of some of that depth concern, if you will. Yeah, and that's a good point. That's maybe an area why I'm wrong here, is that just the abundance of players who are more ready at the guard spot uh, may lead you, and like we touched on earlier, guards can play more minutes than bigs. So maybe it is more Stevie Mitchell or Sean Jones um, alongside Kolick in the backcourt. Cam Jones is uh, your, your shooter out there at the three as the, as the third guard. So that may be a reason I'm wrong there, but uh, as far as the guys I think Shaka is going to trust with the game on the line, especially maybe early in the season, and maybe later in the season, uh, Mitchell and Sean will get in there more. Uh, and there's always Chase Ross, who we've barely touched on in this show in this podcast, but um, he, he could be the freshman that surprises, right? He, he considers himself a 3 and D, and if he is a 3 and D, there are going to be minutes for him. Um, now, I wouldn't pick him to be in the most frequent lineup right now, uh, but so I could I could see where you're coming from as far as uh, a little more job wagon. I know you are the leader of the job wagon. Correct. I'm driving that but, thing like a bat out of hell. All right. So, but we we agree on the obvious three: Kolick, Cam, Oso. Yep. And I, I, the other one other thing I will say is I'm curious to see how much Sean Jones and Tyler Kolick play together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because if Sean Jones is as part of a three guard lineup, I mean that 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 could get pretty short defensively. But again, it, it creates some interesting matchup and different style approaches and, you know, and is our, our Tyler Kolick and, and Sean Jones kind of like replacements for each other or can they play at the same time? That'll be interesting to see over the course of the, of the, the season. And hopefully we get a look at everybody uh, during the first two games, which hopefully should be relatively yes. one-sided Marquette victories. And yes. So that's when you like to get those young guys in there and get them some minutes. So, yeah. Can right, I, can I make done predict- one bold prediction? Yes, please. This okay. is the Predictions Podcast. Okay. If Oso Iguodaro averages more than 30 minutes a game this season, we will win an NCAA tournament game. Ooh. Like that. So Like I, that. So, like, what's, what, like, what's the correlation there? Just to make sure we're following along. Yeah, like, so, so what, I think like, the correlation is if, if you know, he's cl- by, by far our best big on the roster, right? Um, and that's okay. no shade yes. at anyone else. Um, and his skill He's set, the most experienced. He's the most physically ready. It's a perfectly logical thing to say. Correct. And he's and his skill set, you know, the point oh so, all of that, that allows this team to do things that other teams 
maybe can't handle, don't know what to do with. Um, so it creates some matchup problems. So if he can stay out of foul trouble and is in the condition and physically ready, you know, no injuries, no nothing. So he's playing a fair amount of minutes. I think this team can build around that. And you only have to steal 10 minutes, you know, let's say nine minutes a game at the five spot with other roster combinations. I think that means we win a fair amount of games. Hope you're right. So it's Hope it's kind right. of betting on his on his health and betting on his in ability to not get into foul trouble. To hope, hope you're right, and hopefully we can approach those. Uh, your, hopefully we can approach your game by game prediction total uh, and get as far away from mine as we possibly can. So, that would be great. Uh, that, so that is our uh, preseason predictions podcast, uh, everybody. Is there anything else you want to touch on, Phil, before we get out of here? No, I, I think we've predicted a lot of things that we're going to have to track, and that seems like a lot of work. So let's not add to it. Yeah, well, and you all are welcome to hold us accountable. We don't care. We we what we're we are uh, very open with our predictions and we love to interact with you guys uh, as well. Well, some of you. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> I am Joe McCann three. Uh, Phil is M O O O F. Uh, sorry, M O O O F twenty three. At Crack Sidewalks is the team handle. You can also go to CrackSidewalks.com. We post the podcast there, so you can leave your comments on CrackSidewalks.com. And we also please remember to rate review and subscribe we're on apple podcasts and spotify uh and the scrambled eggs facebook page is still a thing i believe so anything else phil um no let's get the season started monday let's go monday 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 market basketball is back hopefully it's a great season hopefully get back to the tournaments and uh hey we were predicted ninth in the preseason last year maybe we'll read maybe we will exceed that again f them Right, Phil? Yes, absolutely. Uh, quote, <laughs> Tyler Kolick. Shouts to Tyler Kolick. Till next time, everybody. Seashells and balloons. <laughs>